We have an amazing episode for you this week, uh, episode 242 of the New Utah Podcast. But uh, the first 18 minutes or so, um, it's been a uh, quite a long night. In the first 18 minutes or so, um, the wrong mic was picking up uh, the lot of us inside the, uh, the studio. So the sound quality is, um, it's not great. Uh, I don't know how to fix it. Uh, it's very tinny. Uh, it's picking up from a mic attached to an external webcam that uh, we use when we, we Skype guests uh, while we're in studio. Uh, I'm not sure quite how that happened. Uh, it's never really happened before, but um, I have tried uh, a myriad of things to fix it, and it uh, just isn't getting fixed. So I just wanted to uh, to warn everyone, um, the first, it's, I think it's 18 minutes in uh, or so, um, you'll see the, 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 the show pick up in its normal quality, uh, and, and, uh, move forward at, at that point. Um, so hopefully you enjoy it. Um, I understand if you, you want to skip forward, uh, I don't blame you. It is not the, the level of quality and standards that, that we, uh, like to have here at the new Utah podcast. Um, but I, I assure you the interview with, uh, the, the chef Diaz from fillings and emulsions, uh, that we do later in the show is, is excellent quality. Uh, and the interview itself is, is absolutely killer. It is one of the most amazing stories that, that we've had the pleasure of hearing, uh, from one of our guests, I, I think in the, the four and a half, almost five years that, that we've been doing this show. So hopefully you'll bear with us and, and stick around and, and our apologies. We'll, we'll try not to have that happen again. It's everyone's favorite show about all things Utah. A show where four hosts, and sometimes a guest, discuss whatever they want regarding Utah, and mostly stay on topic. It's the new Utah Podcast, with your hosts, Bree, Chris, Jeremy, and Jessica. It's episode 242 of the new Utah Podcast. Um, I'm your host, Chris. Um... And I'm going to order everything there. Um, second? He was alphabetical? Yeah. Okay. I can't second. remember. I can't remember. I'm the one that recorded. I don't even remember what I said. <laughs> um, I was last because you sound angry. <laughs> God, God damn it, I'm still talking. <laughs> That's not intentional, by the way. That's completely unintentional. Um, anyway, uh, it's, um, what snow? I don't know what else to say. I mean, that's it's the only check-in note that I had because I really want snow and we really don't have any uh, forecast for the next two weeks. I like storm, but then it keeps breaking up in Idaho and then no yep. more. It's just completely missing us. Oh, meanwhile, the eastern half of the United States has just been getting fucking hammered. So my uncle in Texas, they got so much snow on Sunday that the power went out and it's been out since Sunday. Yeah, they're not good at handling snow down in Texas. Well, it, it, it's a dust against this big gap. They got like four and a half inches. For yeah. them, that's like on again. They don't have snow. Really. No, they got to shut everything down. Like, uh, it's, they, I remember when I was a kid driving to Texas from Wyoming, um, there was a big snowstorm uh, right as we were going between like New Mexico and Texas um, in the winter. Big old snowstorm. And it was us and another car from Wyoming on the road and no one else because no one could fucking drive in the snow. <laughs> so. I watched a TikTok of these people that were in Texas that went out and there was like an inch of snow, maybe an inch and a half on their car. 
And they're like, we have an order at Walmart to pick up, but we're just going to walk down there. And then like the Walmart, and it's like a whole cart full, like it's like a uh-huh. big long like cart full of stuff. So they take a grocery cart home and it shows them like lifting it up over curbs and like pushing it. I'm like, really? That was the easiest way? Like brushing your car off and just trying to learn how to drive in the snow. It's not an option. power to them for walking. Smells good. I meant to. Then they probably ditched the shopping cart, right? Um, I'm I'm sure they didn't take it back. It's just like when our neighbors bring shopping carts into the neighborhood and just kind of leave it on the. It's the park strip either way, whether it's here or at the Walmart. <laughs> whether it's the park strip at Walmart or the park strip here, you know, it doesn't matter. It's still just the park strip. So Chungus is still there, but Evo actually killed one of his girlfriends. Killed one of the chickens? Another one? No, no, a rat. A rat. Oh, one Chungus of Chungus' girlfriends. I thought you said one of Evo's girlfriends, which would no, imply it's one it. of the chickens. He said, Chungus is still alive. But Ebo killed one of his lady friends. Yeah, one of Chungus' lady friends got it. Brought it, brought it up to the deck this morning, opened the door, and he's setting a mound on something. Like, Why is that? Oh, that's closer. Rat. You do get him rabies shots on a regular Yeah. Room. And it's amazing because he's only got half his teeth right now, so I'm not sure how he did it, but hey, he caught it one. You know? Isn't that Wiener's dot? Like, that's yeah. that, what they were bred well, for. Well, Dotson means badger hand. They're yeah, trained yeah. to go into badger holes. D- Dotsons were trained to kill rodents, basically. Yeah. So, so I, I think this old, old dog missed snap his teeth, but he still got it. Doesn't matter. He needs to fucking teach, teach Rocky. I know. So you're not getting a cat, then. But still on fence with the cat. <laughs> Your dogs would probably kill it anyway. See, we're standing here. We've got. Actually, your dogs no, are fine with cats here. They don't have mess with my cats. And if an outdoor cat uh, would get away from definitely. And honestly, dogs. one swipe and the dogs are like pissing yeah. themselves. Yeah. Because that's what happens with your cats. So they come over, they forget about the cats. The cat takes one swipe at them, they're done. Um, some stuff happened in this last week. It's not Utah, but we can talk about it's it. It's pretty significant. It's all state adjacent. It's federal. <laughs> Especially if they're warning that it's going to be happening again next week. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Um, if it happens again next week, you mean during the inauguration? Yeah. Uh, no, it's actually planned for the 19th, is what the FBI sent us over. Yeah. So there's going to be a lot more National Guard presence and military presence at that field. So. But... As always, there's two sides of the story. I've seen videos of like the police just letting people in. For those of you that don't know what we're talking about, we're talking about the morons that decided for the first time since the War of 1812 to storm and break into our national capital. Did you notice the guy who walked off at the podium was a Florida man? They're all fucking idiots from the South. <laughs> like... Wrong. One of them actually is from Utah. Yeah. Well, like one, one of the main, like... And the inability of our fucking congressmen, some of them, not all of them, some of them, to fucking chastise the president for the bullshit that led up to it. Like, if you listen to the speeches Giuliani and Trump Jr., and even the shit that Trump said at that rally earlier in the day, about they were riling up thousands of supporters to go do exactly what they did. Just short of saying, go break into the Capitol and stop the vote. They said, go break into the Capitol and stop the vote. Well, because he was saying, Trump was saying things like, only, you can only gain righteousness by force. Just, I mean, he never, yeah. 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 I mean, the stuff, the stuff, especially out of Giuliani and Trump Jr.'s mouth. And then even Trump's like, 
We need you to go home now and, and be peaceful. I know we were robbed and it was the wrong thing and they stole it from us and, and I should still be president. Now is not the time to be uh, not peaceful. We need people need peace. I am still beside myself. What people say. I, I, uh, I mean, I'm not, I, I understand it to some degree, but, um, yeah, I don't, uh, that whole breaking into the capital thing, um, it's mob mentality. It's just like with looting, right? All it takes is one or two people to throw, you got 3,000 people pushing up against the barrier. It only takes a couple people to actually make something happen. Uh, and there were just not enough police there. There were not enough, uh, there was no National Guard. There were not enough police, um, and they were overrun just very easily. But what I found the most interesting about the whole thing is the videos and images of these crazy mobs breaking into the Capitol and then, like, staying inside the rope lines of the statuary. <laughs> oh, when they were walking in? Yeah, like, they weren't <laughs> they running. always. They didn't No, always. but they weren't, like, running in. They were all walking in. But, like, there's, like, the video of the guy breaking one of the windows. But that was just, like, one entrance, Yeah, There's a guy breaking the windows with a police uh, riot shield that he had taken off of a police officer. Like, what? And then the people that are, like, posting pictures on social media of, like, hey, I'm sitting in fucking Nancy Pelosi's desk with, like, a handwritten I'm so grateful for those people and for all the people who didn't wear masks. Yeah, well, and, like, the, the fucking stupid shaman guy. That's so currently sitting in jail on a hunger strike. Give me organic food. Because he's not getting organic food in jail. So and that's not an story. You know, that's a real, real goddamn thing. That's fucking idiot. And it wasn't just like a, a costume for costume's sake. Like that guy actually thinks he's some sort of shaman. Uh-huh. So I, I just, that whole thing, it's just, it, it's pretty despicable and it, you know, it's as despicable as the leading, you know, but went on this summer, in my opinion. Uh, and the difference is with looting, you're not necessarily likely to get shot. Um, I don't feel sorry for the people that got shot. I don't feel sorry for the woman that died. You fucking storm a Capitol building of this country, which is a, basically a treasonous act, uh, and you're next to people with fucking assault rifles, you gotta expect you might get shot. Well, especially because they were storming it while Congress was in session. This wasn't yes. just... It wasn't in August when no one was there. They were in session. They were trying to stop something from happening, yes. which is why people were talking about sedition, because they were well, actually trying to stop the government from that doing their job. That is a coup. That's exactly what Yeah, that's how is. a coup forms. That's how a coup does. And normally it's done with military people, but the military doesn't support Trump, so... The generals have uh, given certain assurances <laughs> that uh, he's... He, and, and really, at this point, the, the impeachment proceedings more than anything are, are to uh, prevent him from being able to run again. Uh, and from getting all the benefits that you get as a right retirement. Yeah, they could definitely do a lot um, going through the trial, which they would now be able to get probably convictions with because they have control. Um, so, speaking of control, uh, <laughs> we're going to see a lot of changes in the next two years. We're going to see uh, big stimulus checks, I think, in the next month and a half. I would not be surprised to see the rest of that 2000 if not just straight 2000 come out of Congress and mm-hmm. the Biden administration. I really think that that should be changed how they distribute that money, though. Like, if you're oh, still agree. working and you can get by without it, it, it needs to not go to you. 
yeah, I don't need it. Uh, you know, a lot of people, like in Utah, honestly, there's a lot of people that don't need it. But there are people that do, especially restaurant workers, cave workers, bar workers, entertainers. You know, people like uh, the the Folk Hogan guys. You know, we talked to Nick Passy about it. Like, those are the kind of people that are that are seriously hurting because they they can't do what they did for a living because it just is not something that is okay right now. Uh, and so that's that's a big deal to support those kinds of folks. You know, um, think about the people that make a living. There are people that they work at stadiums. They do food service and, and janitorial service at stadiums, at multiple stadiums throughout the year. They haven't had any jobs, right? No one's going to basketball games or soccer games. And One of my mom's friends is the concessions director for USANA. And so she hasn't worked in, what, eight, nine months now? Nine. Nine months, so... Yeah, so all of that craziness at the Capitol really started happening on, on Wednesday. Uh, and when that, like, it's like one thirty ish our time, I think, maybe one, maybe a little bit. No, I was right around lunchtime. Um, when, when the news started breaking, you know, I'm just sitting there. Wednesdays are a day that I'm typically in my office. Uh, and I was sitting there working and my, one of my service desk tech guys comes in from lunch and he's like, Oh my gosh, Chris, you gotta see this. Like he didn't even get to his desk and he's like, Look at what's going on in the Capitol. And I'm like, holy shit. And basically from that point forward, I didn't get any work done. I don't think anybody yeah, did. I, like, I even told my boss, he's like, what you doing? I'm like, nothing. Yeah, like everyone in the office was talking about it. <laughs> I was at a project in Utah County. So I didn't, I did, I wasn't aware of it until a little bit later. A little bit later. Yeah. And then I just like watching the, this, the, the stuff unfold and the curfews and the everything. I'm like, there was like it was really weird because it wasn't like there wasn't a fear for me like of like like this this is a serious like it was absolutely a serious thing but it wasn't a fear of like these people are going to hurt someone and really disrupt this process because again what I was seeing were pictures of them you know tussling with cops getting through the barriers and just basically overrunning what was a very small police contingency. From, from what I could tell. And then getting in the lobby and just kind of... Just casually walking around. And like... We're in. And then I saw no. pictures... And then I saw pictures of like the congressman uh, in in chambers like hiding under uh, their seats or, or the, the little walls that separate the rows. Uh, and I'm like, that seems like playing it up to me. That really seems like playing it up for a camera. But then I went back and looked, and all of those pictures were taken when there was actually an armed standoff occurring in chambers. Mm-hmm. That you had the you had the security, the private security, secret service forces, actually holding some person at gunpoint that was trying to break through the back wall into the chamber. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so then it made more sense while they were they were down, so they didn't take fire. Um, but you know, it's that whole thing was crazy. I'm, I'm really surprised more people didn't get shot. Uh, I think the five that they're attributing to it, the five deaths they're attributing to it, are uh, we're just lucky there wasn't more on both sides. Yeah, yeah, and and I, you know, I'm not a death penalty fan, but you're a fucking moron if you do that and you got shot and died. I'm sorry, I don't have a whole lot of sympathy. You, you, that is absolutely how it quite literally is a federal felony. Yeah, you're attacking a federal building. Yeah, exactly. And the people that carry guns into those buildings, yeah, yeah, they should uh, lose their right to carry arms. Well, and that's, I mean, it's kind of ironic, right? Because they're so worried about losing their right to to carry arms, and then they... Yeah, I mean, in in concealed carry classes, 
that's one of the big things. You cannot conceal carry your weapon into a federal building. So, and the number one federal building that people don't think about, post office. You cannot carry your weapon into the post office. Uh, I bet people do it all day, every day. Well, and also at the same time, if you are concealed carrying, you shouldn't, it shouldn't be noticeable that you're carrying a weapon. That's the whole point of CCW. And so they're like, truthfully, you shouldn't take it in because it's against the law, but also it shouldn't be noticeable. So you shouldn't get in trouble if you walk into the post office with it. Like that's kind of the message that the CCW classes I've been through have taught. But that's neither here nor there. That was up in DC and, um, I'm there was sure. there's a little bit of protesting here. Nothing, nothing super super crazy. So hopefully, I really hate some of our Congress people. Yeah, but they're just despicable. Our reporters got maced in the eye. Yeah, yeah, that happens. That happens in in protests where Republicans are macing. So, and these aren't normal Republicans. These are morons. No. They're morons. <laughs> they're morons. Like morons. Not Mormons. Say idiots. They might have been Mormon morons, but they are morons. Um, but anyway, we'll, 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 we'll kind of be done with that. It, it's just sad that the extremes of both sides, uh, Democrat, Republican, whatever, whatever you are, it is what makes the news. And so that's what feels like is the predominant thing. And it, and it really isn't. Uh, TikTok's really got my algorithm down because I did not want to see a bunch of shit from that. And I didn't get a bunch of shit from that. I did, however, on TikTok get, so there's a, there's a kind of a trend that goes around TikTok where someone will say, show me this without actually showing me this. So right. someone, someone might say, tell me you're from Utah without telling me, without telling you so that you're green jello or something. Yeah, like yeah, 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 green jello or like, like taking pictures of the temple or a polygamist. Yeah. So, uh, Jill, who we talked to last week, uh, from ourdivorce.com, um, she did one, and I don't remember what it was, but that it just made me think of that because she did one, um, and I don't know if it's picked up steam or not, but I get all their crap in my feed, um, and some sometimes this stuff is great. Um, uh, I watch them all, and I like them all because I like those guys. Um, but that was a that was a fun conversation last week with Jill. Uh, yeah, I think uh, those guys are are, are going to do extremely well. I had not realized how successful Jill was on her own. Uh, until we talked to her, she is, is a power. powerful woman. Um, and, uh, you know, she's not a, she's not a recent divorcee. She's lived her whole life single as a single mom, basically. Um, having been apparently a Mormon married woman. <laughs> well, it sounds like he was, but I don't think yeah, she, she he, he was for sure, but she was not. And then she was like, Oh shit, this is what Mormons are. I'm out. I'm out. I'm going to an island, I'm going to an island <laughs> in the middle of nowhere and I'm out. Uh, and I think that was, you know, for, for her, that's the right move. But, you know, she's 100% behind this thing. She's decided to throw her weight in with Tom. Uh, and well, a, she's even got one of her companies helping them. Well, she's an investor, so she's definitely. Yeah, like she's, she's, she's got a lot of skin in the game, and she really believes in it. And, and I believe in it, too. I, I still, it's the turbo tax of divorce people. I'm, I'm, whether or not they can use it, I can use it because I'm not, <laughs> you know, I'm not. Uh, representing them, <laughs> so uh, they are. They're the TurboTax of divorce. Um, you know, it's a, a a good experience. I've been considering doing it, but I think if Brie caught me doing it, um, <laughs> just to go through the process and see, maybe maybe we should do that just to test out the waters, babe. 
Um, your mom's talking about hooking up with her old boyfriend. You can fill it out for her preemptively. I won't put in the <laughs> two ninety nine that's required. Um, maybe we could do it for Cass and Dorn since uh, she's pretty serious about this kid. She's not for months. I still think they need a prenup. Yeah, prenup like program. Yeah. yeah. Well, and maybe they will. Maybe they will. Uh, but ourdivorce.com is $299. That's, that's about the cheapest divorce that you can get for sure out there. So. so, Jess, I need to know Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. Okay, so this was a good local episode because they went to several local places. Um, they were throwing a birthday party for uh, Jen's husband, who is a coach up at the University of Utah. And they were, and they did it at Top Golf, which I haven't been to. I know you guys have been to, and it was like it was a pretty legit party. Uh, drama ensued, of course. <laughs> did uh, Mary fuck someone <laughs> other than her grandpa? Mary was only at the beginning of this episode, so, um, and she was really sad because she wasn't invited to the party. So, anyways, um, one of the one of the places that they went was Loveland Aquarium, and I know that we've kind of talked about it before but i thought it was really cool because our loveland aquarium has a penguin encounter their private penguin encounters when covid first hit they let the penguins run around yes they did yes oh yeah that's right so if you so one of the families um lisa barlow and her family went and did it and i was looking up information they're still doing it and it is reservations and it's uh, $250 for 10 people if you don't have a membership. That's not bad. Nope. And it's $199 if you have a, uh, have a membership. And only 10 people are allowed. And you get, you get 50 minutes and you get to feed them and see their habitat and they're cute. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I just that, I thought that was really neat. And lot, she mentioned the 7200 South Popeyes. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> represent, yeah. yeah. What up, yo? That Popeyes. <laughs> Yay. There's a Zag store right there that we go to to get our shit replaced. Oh, nice. Anyway, so that's, that's my, uh, my, uh, recap. I'm actually excited for this next week because they're going to be down at Mystic Hot Springs. And so that'll be fun to see. Nice. Nice. Um, so we're going to be talking with, uh, finally today. It's been. <laughs> It's literally been years, and we've had a couple of near misses uh, with this gentleman. Uh, but today we're going to be talking to Chef, uh, Chef Adel, Al. uh, Adel, Adelberto uh, Diaz, uh, the owner of Fillings and Emulsions, which if you've listened to this show, I, I, well, we talk about them so much because Jess, <laughs> Jess would live in their bakery. I would live in their rolls. I would just like lay in their rolls. Uh, their stuff is really quite tasty. Um, but I, you know, Brie thought, actually, not me, Brie thought uh, it would be good to talk about some desserts in Salt Lake City and the bakeries in Salt Lake City because we have some really amazing desserts and bakeries available in this state. Uh, so it's definitely, I think, a good idea to talk through some of those. So. Um, and there's, well, should we do this educator thing first, the vaccines? I don't know who put this on here. I just saw it. I oh, it. I just made a little note that uh, they're kind of changing the, the eligibility for vaccines and stuff. So kind of keep an eye on it because it's kind of depending on what's available. So like they're talking about changing um, the, the the limit for regular citizens to be 70 
or older instead of, I think it was 75 before. So as soon as they're kind of through educators and healthcare workers and stuff, they're going to start doing that. And and they're looking to do that here can I, in the next couple of months. Can I dress up as an old person and leave my ID at home? And <laughs> Your IV? My IV. ID. <laughs> so I don't get carded? So anyway, I just kind of wanted to mention it just because with this vaccine coming around, it might behoove you to start paying attention to... Um, what those are because they're going to start notifying people, but it's not like they can just send you an exact, you know, email or text or something that's like, okay, it's your turn. So just kind of keep an eye on it uh, for vaccines. So where did this list come from that you, you So it's up? from like female foodie team. I don't know okay. if we've talked okay, about so them a, much a, anymore. A local blog. <laughs> right. Okay. So we're going to go through some of their best desserts. Uh, they said donuts, Banbury cross. Now, I don't know if I disagree with this. So if the if the list is of course best, you do because you no, like no, no. the other bakery. But if the list is best desserts, the des- the donuts at Donuts and Deli are no frills, fucking breakfast style donuts. Banbury Cross does really super fancy yeah, donuts. It's gonna be like your glazed, your Bacon, sprinkled apple fritter, your cake donuts, yeah. your bear claws, like your your solid breakfast donuts at Donuts and Deli. But if we're talking a dessert donut. Banbury Cross, it's on the level of like, I, I really like Beyond Glazed as well. Uh, but I would agree, Banbury Cross is a pretty good, uh, pretty damn good solid donut for a dessert. I designed two of the Beyond Glazed stores. That aren't open Just anymore. Just a side note. Are they all closed now? Are they all gone to I the COVID? I think they only have on? one location. The no, one, they closed way before. Is the one in Riverton still open on 123rd? I'll no, find out for it's you. Gone. I don't um, eat donuts. There's the best waffles, Bruges waffles and frites, and I don't. I agree. I don't disagree. That's uh, <laughs> their their waffles are great. Uh, gelato, Capo Gelateria Italiana. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Did you say that in a little more white? Um, no. Throw it's, a little more white in that. Where's that one at? I don't know if I've even heard of that. I, I don't know where it's at either. I don't think they. It's on uh, two sixty two South two hundred West in Salt Lake City, uh, so Gateway, basically. Yeah. Um, so a little gelato place in the gateway. Um, I might have to try that um, next time I go to uh, a, an entertainment experience at the gateway. So hey, look at that. Maybe. Cookies is Ruby Snap. <laughs> That's a good thing because I would have fucking stopped reading this list if it was anything I, I but I checked Ruby both Snap. of these lists to make sure that they at least had one or two of the ones that we think are Because best. fucking crumble is not good. I'm sorry. Ruby Snap is amazing. The best cookies in the valley, hands down. Thank you, ladies that wrote this for agreeing. The best pie, they're saying the dodo, which... I was surprised at that. It's been a while since I've been to the dodo. Their pie is really good. I haven't been to the dodo in years, like... Like, years. Their pie is really good. I just think that's a little pretentious of a, of a place. I think there's some better pies in Salt Lake. We have a lot of really good pie shops. So it said, like, cookie delivery chip cookies, but... I've Ruby Snap a, also delivers. That is true. So I'm I I feel like Ruby Snap should be on here mm-hmm. twice because I've sent lots of cookies to Ruby Snap and I've ordered them to my own house. Doesn't so. Chip deliver warm cookies though? Mm-hmm. I think that's their gimmick is they deliver them warm. Which, to be honest, like Ruby Snap's the best cookie. There's just not even a competition. But a warm chocolate chip cookie just, delivered just is a pretty like fucking good. Experience. Stick it on top of the oven. For so a the one on 123rd is still open. Ah, see, that's the one I. That's the one I know. Oh, it is. Mm-hmm. And I think that was their original site. Yes. Hmm. Frozen custard, Nielsen's frozen custard, and I gotta agree, their custard is spectacular. Um, you know, Culver's is good for for a custard, but Nielsen's is so much better. And and the daily flavors that they do, the hand mixing of the custard is 
is totally worth it. They're up on Highland, right? Uh, there's a bunch of uh, a bunch of locations. There's the one on Highland. Um, there's one in Bountiful. There's one. Fuck. There's one out by you, I think, over uh, off of 114th, Jeremy. Is there? The what? Uh, Nielsen's frozen custard. I think there's one up in that area somewhere. Mm. But there's a bunch of them around the valley. Uh, cake, the chocolate. Which we've been to. That coffee just sucks. Their coffee's fucking terrible. It's like full like the like the like the first time we went there, it was good, and then I don't know what happened. I mean, we've only ever been there like three times. But, ever, but. that is a really nice, and it's a fun place because it's a little house with a bunch of couches spread out. And I'm sure not anymore. I would imagine it's just they may be able to still still do it, just way fewer people. I'm curious how they're doing. Soft serve, normal ice cream. I've never heard of that one. OMG, is it? Good? They are freaking the bomb. And it says that brick and mortars opening soon, and I'm not sure when this blog was written. I'm gonna have to I'll try. I'll check. So they they did their business out of trolley. Oh, okay. And so I like it's like a truck. Serve. It's a it's a ice cream truck, but it's like soft cool. Serve. But they have really fancy flavors. I they said love they have homemade candy, can, can, cotton candy to carrot cake to homemade honeycomb. To chestnut mm. ganache. Everything to the top everything dessert is Hatch Family Chocolates. <laughs> uh, and they make amazing ice cream. They Hot chocolates. Regular chocolates that are dipped. Like that is a... Rice Krispie uh, treats. Fantastic See, place. it was a good Fruit. list. Yeah, huh? that was a quality list. Rate. And the next list, the best bakeries in Salt Lake City... Um, I'm interested to, to, we have a lot of really good bakeries. Uh, and so um, let's go through them. So number 10. Carol's Pastry Shop, which I do not know. Uh, that's it's, in- a ve- it's one of probably one of Salt Lake's oldest bakeries. It says the adorable employees are mostly senior citizen age and kindless and thoughtful. Or kind, kindless. And kindless. Get out of kind. Here. They are the kindest and most thoughtful. <laughs> Sorry, Get out kindless motherfuckers. <laughs> uh, Carlucci's Bakery, which Carlucci's is actually a, a really a lot of people love Carlucci's that Italian bakery, mm-hmm. um, and they do. Um, yeah, man, Carlucci's. That was. I, they have a flourless chocolate cake. Yeah, they they do a lot of like fancy cake stuff. Um, when you think of like when you think of the bakery shows for like Food Network, like the or or TLC, like Buddy's Bakery Place and the <laughs> other guys, Carlos, Duff. Carlos, yep, and, and, and Duff Goldman, and, and uh-huh. Duff's Bakery Place. That's the kind of bakery. Charm Car- City Cakes. Yeah, that's the kind of bakery that Carlucci's <laughs> is. Is that that kind of traditional feeling bakery? Um, I don't know about Mrs. Backers. So Mrs. Backers, we used to go to all the time when I worked in the Ambassador Building downtown, and their cakes are actually pretty freaking I've good. I've never been there, but their windows are always adorable. And I actually got my wedding cake topper from them. I actually really like their bakery. Banbury Cross. Uh, must be legit if it's on two lists. Yeah, I mean it is a it is a legit place. I'm, I'm legit. not gonna I'm not gonna say they're not great. Oh, they're, Chris, they're good. Here you go, Eva's. Number yep. six. We go there when we go to Fanex a lot. I love Eva's Bakery. They're, I've yet to have a bad thing there. Um, they're, oh man, their croissants are so good. And I can't croquettes. remember what I had the last time, but I was like, I need to remember this, and then I, I promptly forgot. And and their their macrons are really good. They're one of my favorites. And then fillings and emulsions. Right there in the middle. Also make spectacular macrons that I've, I've picked up before. In fact... When we did that meat pie competition, uh, or no, it was the Cuban competition that I got their Cuban meat pies for, um, I was like, oh, they have Macrons, and I ordered a bunch of Macrons just for Brie and I, uh, and um, they're, they're so good. They're, they're really good. 
But I'm telling you, I need to have like a side-by-side comparison and now finding out that they're at Harmon's, but with Eva's and, and those guys. So Have you seen what number four is? Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I, I, I wanted to made this list. <laughs> I wanted to say something during the last list, but I was like, I want him to be surprised. Fresh Donut and Deli, which is on uh, 27th South and State. It just says Fresh Donut and Deli on it's the sign. It's a little triangle sign. It looks like an old shitty donut shop from the 70s. It's, it is basically an old shitty donut shop from the seventies, <laughs> but the donuts are unbelievable. They're so good and they're, they're just simple donuts. They're not the fancy shit that like Banbury Cross makes. So, uh, yeah, there's, and here's Le Madeline. Le Madeline, uh, gets a, a huge nod. Um, Amina, she's amazing and her, her pastries are beautiful. And then Ruby Snap, our friends over at Ruby Snap. Um, and I think we've talked about them on, on a number of times. <laughs> nah, <laughs> never. And then Tuli. Tuli. Okay, so I just visited them uh, Christmas Eve because I had to go to King's English and pick up my books. And they're right across the street. And fortunately, they still had some stuff left because I miscounted on manager gifts. But they had a little cake, a little six-inch round one layer chocolate peppermint cake. And I was like, I'll buy myself a cake since I don't ever <laughs> buy myself cake because I'm always making cakes. It was so delicious and it lasted for like two weeks. <laughs> yes, I eat that slow. But they're, uh, it's amazing. I love those guys. They're always at the farmer's market. Yes. They're the ones that I typically buy my stuff from. Their, so. their bear claws are fucking delicious. Their crook monster is really yes, good too. They are. I take that hiking because it's really good. <laughs> Yeah, and they, that thing is really good just like later yep. in the day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm, I was actually really surprised on Steve Gormandy's on here, actually. I was too. Uh, yeah, that is, that is surprising. And, and I will say on both of those lists, all local stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and that is fantastic. Yeah. Well, that's because these guys, that's what yeah. they do. But some, you know, some people would misconstrue like nothing but Kinks is being a, a local bakery. No. And it's not. It's a national bakery. I think I'm, I'm going to look at these guys again if we do food stuff because that's what they do like they're utah foodies and it's it's like three or four women all right this week uh we have chef alberto diaz uh the owner of fillings and emulsions uh which is i think jess's favorite place on the planet it is one of my most favorite places i think we talk about filling and emulsions at least twice a month maybe even more oh yeah, like only twice a month now okay i'm frustrated now twice (laughs) (laughs) well when you only record four times a month that's half the time we record in the last four and a half years that means we've talked about your place for two that i uh, I actually you know i run on my social media platforms uh personally which takes a lot of my time um but i also make sure that i post sporadically, not constantly, so I can give my customers a break so they don't feel guilty about coming to my shop. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good marketing strategy. A lot of companies post like every day, constantly. Um, you know, I, I don't. I, th- I think when you when you have a business that is is like yours, like it's not an easy one. I forget. So you're good. Yeah. Yeah. And and that is that's the thing, is like for me, it's like we have a product that uh we make sure that we work really hard to 
you know, keep the quality and make sure that it's beautiful too. So even if, when you eat it, it makes you feel good. But when you give it away, it also makes you feel good, kind of. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. So, 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 Chef, I, I gotta, I gotta start out by asking, you know, where are you from originally, and and kind of tell us how you got to Utah. Oh, so you don't know? I was just I, kidding. Jess <laughs> probably knows because she's we a stalker. Know. But... We just want to hear you, you tell it. Yeah, I'm from Cuba, and I got here in the year 2000. Um, I actually uh, arrived to the country uh, crossing the border, just like most immigrants do, <laughs> as, uh, as weird as that sounds. Um, I mean, I, let me rephrase that. It's just most brown immigrants do. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I just went to, um, you, you know, to the border and asked for asylum. And then I was put in jail <laughs> for 21 days. Really? <laughs> and uh, just, you know, they just wanted to make sure that I was who I said I was because I just looked like another one of me. Yeah, just another brown person crossing the border. Another one brown person crossing the border. So uh, let's pile them all together in that container over there, and then we'll we'll process. I mean, the word actually is processing center. I felt like a you know mortadella or something in there. Um, it's it's, uh, it, it's funny now, but it was pretty scary. I'll tell you. Yeah, so I mean how how old were you and what kind of drove that decision to to come into the US? Um well I I came to America when I was 28. So uh just don't ask me how old I am. I already told you that. Yeah. But um, <laughs> you figure that out pretty easy. But but uh but yeah, I I was 28. I had um um worked for different places. I went to college for a couple of years and I had to leave because um, 92, I was in college when the, you know, the socialist feel, that's what we called it, um, fell and, uh, there was no food. There was nothing. I mean, we went into, if you guys think COVID is bad, <laughs> no, <laughs> um, it, it's funny because in Cuba people were dying because they, they weren't, they didn't have vitamins. That's how bad it was. Because uh, we, yeah, we didn't have oils and meats and stuff like that. And we had a lot of people and milk. Um, so it got bad. So I had to, uh, left, leave college and start, uh, finding different venues to, uh, get revenue for myself, right. Take care of myself. So I, I went and studied, uh, um, tourist entertainment for a little bit, actually the whole year of tourist, tourism entertainment. So I'm a tourist entertainer. I did that for like three years. Um, until I got in trouble because I had too many American friends, you know, uh, <laughs> if you, if you worry about the Patriots, you know, <laughs> yeah. I was, I was not, I was not considered a Patriot by people in Cuba because, you know, I have people from other places. I have friends from other places. So, um, I had to open my own bakery, which by the way, was illegal back then. In Cuba, you couldn't have private enterprises uh, before the year 2000. 
Um, so what were you doing? Like cooking it in the basement? I would just say, yeah, I was cooking them in the back in the back of my house. Well, I was, you know, um, my friend and my family. We were like walking with a bag of flour bought from the black market in the bike, trying to avoid the police from stopping us and buying. You know, every neighbor, every person in back then, every person used to get like fifteen eggs a month. Right. And there were some people that don't need eggs. So I had to go around my neighborhood finding out who were those people and buying the eggs from them. And uh, I mean, that's just the egg part, you know, talk yeah, about sugar. a lot more to bread than eggs. Yeah. And there is, uh, you know, flour, for example, we don't grow wheat in, in Cuba. So all the flour was imported. So the only the government had it. So, I mean, it was an ordeal. But it taught me um, that everything is possible if you, you know, you put your mind to it and you fight enough and you win. So what about your family? For... Were they able to come with you or do you still have family? No, 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 no. I, I left Cuba and I'm, I didn't tell my family until I was in Mexico because I didn't want them to get in trouble. Because oh. I was hiding, uh, waiting for my papers to get. Um, so I couldn't let anybody know. So I called him from Mexico and I said, hey, uh, sorry, guys, I'm I'm not there anymore and I don't know when I'm going to see you again. So how did you get to Mexico? Did you hop on a plane or did you take a boat? Yes, I got a, I paid for a fake visa to go to Mexico uh, to work, you know, quote unquote, to work. Um, that was a fake visa that we, you know, yeah. got in, in Havana. And then after that, I got a coyote to take me to the border. An American coyote that had to yeah. be paid to take to the border. Was that pretty scary, or was how how was that? I, so imagine, um, you know, for the first time in a country I've never been in, trying to sneak into a country that uh, I've never been in, and I don't know what's going to happen to me. And uh, in driving through Mexico, knowing that if I, the Mexican authorities will stop the car that I was in, I was going to be sent back to Cuba, and then I would be going to jail. That's well. Did you speak any English at this point? Uh, I a little bit. I, I could actually like say a couple of words just to defend myself, but obviously nothing like now. Mm. Um, but yeah, because I don't yeah, imagine was, they teach English in Cuba. <laughs> they well, when when I was a kid, they they used to teach more Russian than than uh, English. But I somehow managed to learn English, and you know, a little bit. And, uh, you know, I guess that's that was a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's that's pretty crazy. So once you got to the U.S. and you you'd spent your 30, 21 days in jail while they verified that you were who you said you were uh, mm -hmm. and not a not a rapist or a murderer, um, like yeah. most of the brown people are referred to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some that's of them are deep. good. I'm Some not, of them are good people. Some of yeah. them are good people. No, like most of them, I would yeah. beg to say. Like my, like my great-grandparents. Yeah. So yeah. actually, right. Brie, like, Brie uh, her, her grandparents, her great-grandparents great uh, have a house in like Martha or Brown, Texas. Um, uh -huh. Really old house that has been tagged as a historical landmark, and they actually oh, cool. use it to store water and provisions. So, yeah, so for... people go in there, and they store, like, water and snacks and stuff for people who are crossing the border. Crossing the border, good for you. Yep. That's Makes awesome. me super proud. We had some cousins go down there and take a bunch of pictures and bring them back to us, so I think my grandpa would be really <laughs> happy that his 
His old childhood home was being used that way. It's still being it's, it's being used to help people. That's good. Yeah, yeah. I, I go. I went to McAllen a couple of times in the last few years with this border crap. You know, this kid concentration camp BS. Um, because I mean, I I knew those kids who were put in the place I was, and I I, I don't want to I don't want to be there. And I was twenty eight. I can only imagine. It's been in those places. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter. I mean, it doesn't matter. 14, 12, 15, 17, doesn't matter. That's a, a scary it's, situation. Being taken away from yeah. your parents at the same time. like that's, Yeah, that's, and being wild. stripped of, of, of every single right just because you want a better future for yourself. Which, you know, I, I, I guess we forget uh, the pursuit of happiness only for those privileged enough to have it there, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, very, so, very frequently. Did you? So when you left, did you? Were your intentions to come to Salt Lake? Uh, well, the only uh, I, the, let me let me back to the story. There, I met somebody. I mean, a couple of people actually, like a few people from Salt Lake in Havana, and I actually worked for them, uh, distributing medicines and clothing, and uh, and supporting the people in the AIDS asylums in Cuba. Uh, for a few years, they would bring clothing and medicines and stuff for the LGBT community in Havana. And I was their contact until the police found out. So um, when that happened, so that's when I had to go into hiding. And then, you know, I had to leave. So when I came to America, the only people I knew were those people. And so did they welcome you with open arms when you got here? Do you mean in Utah? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was great. I went straight into a basement. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen. As you do. Listen, a basement is a great. I, to be honest with you, I, I still love basements just because they're cool and chill. It's like being in Havana in, in, with air conditioning, and that is precious. <laughs> true. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's precious. Havana with air conditioning is precious. So... So no, I, I that's why that's why I end up here in Salt Lake, and um, you know it's been good. I, I really, um, you know, besides all the stuff that happens to you know people like me that come to a new country and had to learn everything, and um, I really I'm, I'm I'm one of the privileged ones. So once you got here, were you able to to then contact your family? Yes, I called them and let them know what I was and what was going on. And then it took me eight years to get my mom in here and 12 to get my brothers. So now they're all here. That's good. That's awesome. And you have U.S. citizenship now? Oh, yes. Yes. How was that process? uh, Long. (laughs) Long, expensive. And uh, again, one of those things that... uh, uh, most people don't understand that they have it without having to do absolutely nothing, yeah, right? It's crazy. I've got a it, few it, friends it, that have it, gone through the process. It's crazy. Yeah. So I, I mean, it was a, uh, it was. Um, I mean, the the funny thing about it is that they think that we, you know, most people don't understand that we, the immigrants, still pay taxes for all the time before we become citizens or residents, and we get absolutely zero benefits from those taxes we paid into the system. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know what I mean? And Have and you, there is there is millions and millions and millions of people doing that every day. 
have you gone back to Cuba since you since you got yes. citizenship? Uh, yes, I did. I went back on 2018. 18 was it? 18? Yeah, and they didn't let me in, so I had to stay in the boat. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so then I went uh, retired because I didn't have my Cuban passport. They require in Cuba that if you were born there, that you have to come back with your Cuban passport. So I was uh, okay. So you, you had know, to you had to work on that. <laughs> yeah. So I had to get my passport, and then I came back the next year and spent uh, a week over there, and it was um, it was real and um, an amazing. It felt how, really, it felt really good. Like to how, go back. How much, how much different is it now? Because you, I mean, you left Cuba a long time ago. Twenty years. Uh, yeah. How, how much, how much different is Cuba now? Because I mean, the last twenty years have been pretty uh, intense in terms of things that have opened up for Cuba, with you know some of the restrictions from the U.S. being being eased up and lifted, and the international community being a little bit more willing to, to, to do stuff with Cuba. I mean, how well, is... You have, you have to understand that uh, Cuba had relationships with almost every country in the mm-hmm. world, you know, before uh, before America or Obama opened the doors and wanted to make the relationships again with the United States. So we have plenty of tourists from other places. Um, when Obama opened it, a whole new set of... of businesses came up with the with the cruises and stuff like that and and the economy flourished like a lot um so when the when i was there the the year the cruises were open everybody was happy and there was food and there was restaurants and everything and then when i came back was with you know trump and the cruises were shut down and and the businesses were i mean a whole tons of people uh lost their livelihood that they just barely started having um, but to be honest with you, Cuba is one of those um, places that are stuck in time. That's what I've uh, heard. It's very like 1950s, 1940s. Yeah, it, it doesn't, matter long, doesn't matter how long you spend. Um, you know, a couple of buildings are new, a couple of hotels are new. Uh, but Havana is Havana. It, it looks exactly like it was supposed to. The people behave, you know, they might wear a couple of extra clothing and they have cell phones now. And, you know, they're they're all cramping. Before they used to go to this park to argue about baseball. Now they cramp all together in the same park because that's where the only place where they can get Internet. <laughs> First world problem. <laughs> you know, exactly. Right. So so that's the change. The place still the same. The same park, the same the same benches made out of marble, the same big, huge trees, the same people just, you know, doing something slightly different. So how are the cigar shops down there? I mean, you hear about them. The tour, you, the, you mean the tourist ones? No, the, the real traps, ones. <laughs> the, tourist, the tourist traps? <laughs> That's what they Cuban are. cigars are supposed to be the best in the world, or so they say. They are. Um... So you're better than Dominican cigars? Duh. Because <laughs> <laughs> the I Dominicans mean, say they're better. If he was here, he would price. slap you, silly. <laughs> That's okay. But the thing is, like, you know, we, we have a bigger island, so we have more tobacco. <laughs> you don't have to share it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you can you can. You I mean, can I'm, sure they have the, I'm sure they have the tourist trap places where you can see them making the cigars, but... 
But yeah. have you ever visited any of like the real places, like the not the tourist traps? Yes, I actually have videos on the countryside of, you know, a group of farmers actually making tobaccos and selling wine. Uh, I mean, honey wine. So you were getting drunk twice with honey wine <laughs> and cigars. That's awesome. So, That's great. So, so you don't yeah. have like a 1950s style car, though, right? No, I wish I didn't. I was very poor. Like, yeah. like I, I like really, <laughs> really poor. Like I, I had a bed. Well, let me say this: I had a mattress <laughs> that the springs will come out through holes. That's uh, that's rough. That's rough. So, so I had to rotate around while I was sleeping uh, to whatever the the next spring was, so the the spring from before <laughs> wouldn't hurt that spot anymore. I f- you know. I find it kind of um, serendipitous that you come from from such a poor country and you found your passion in baking when the ingredients were so were so difficult to come by. How did that start for you? Uh, I'm I'm sorry. Can you repeat the question? No, you're good. Uh, I said I think it's serendipitous that you that you got into baking, being in a country that the ingredients were so difficult to come by, and I just wanted to know how that started for you. Um, actually, that so this 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 is a thing, right? So whenever um you live in a country where you can not just go out to restaurants, you cook all the time. You have to, right? So you have to get your food. Like since I was a kid, the kitchen is always running. Like like in here, you go buy a bag of, of rice and put it in the rice cooker and push a button and water and then you're done, right? <laughs> well, in Cuba, you have to get the rice and put it on a table and then one by one separate the big grains from the little grains until you have the whole bunch of rice that you're going to cook, separate it, the little ones from the big ones because the little ones are not usable. They just make like mushy rice. So you use that for rice pudding and the rest you use for rice. Yeah, because you're just buying bulk so, bags of rice that hasn't been already, you know. Yeah, that, that is barely processed. This. You have to take the skin off some of them and there's stones and beans and, ch- you know, pieces of wood. And so there is like, it's there's work to make food. And, uh, um, my grandmas, uh, they were both really very implemental when it came to what I, um, would like to do. My grandma, um, uh, my white grandma used to go to, a um, um, Catholic school. So she had knowledge of all the traditional French baking styles, you know, like meringue and sponges and stuff like that. And then my black grandma used <laughs> to make all desserts made with, like fruit and custards and uh, sweet potato flan and stuff like that. Oh, my. that's so, a thing. I need that. Uh, well, I, I yeah, sweet potato flan. <laughs> oh my god, it's so good. It's, and butternut squash flan too. So, um, but uh, but that's you know that's what it did. And and the first memory I have of of me trying to make some food was uh, my grandma had this little glass plate that had a little it was almost like a soup plate but not very deep that was transparent glass with scallops edges and she put a couple of egg whites in there and and two forks and she whipped those 
two egg whites until they turned into meringue. And I was like, what? With forks. <laughs> yeah, with forks. And by the way, that's how I started my business in Cuba. I had two forks and a bowl, and that's how I made my cakes. Well, you can definitely see both of your grandmas in, in your bakery for sure. That's so. crazy. So when when you got here, how did how did uh, how did you get to a point where you could start fillings and emulsions from being, uh, you know, a, a, essentially a refugee in a basement of someone's house? It takes you thirteen years to get there. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the that's the the story, you know, and the little little story. Um, so when I first came, what would just just give me a hint? What do you think was my first job when I came to America? Construction. There you go. Pro- <laughs> construction funny, or road right? work, one or the other. Construction, <laughs> construction, construction. So I was. <laughs> that's what I worked on. I had to paint closets with oil paint and deal with the fumes that were giving me headaches. Um, even though you know, I had two years of college, a degree in entertainment, and. Uh, and uh, uh, but that's what people will hire me for, right? I eventually mm-hmm. found a friend of mine that opened had a restaurant and told me that if I wanted to do um, the bread for them, so I went and started doing that. And then I guess they realized that I was good at it. And then uh, another friend of mine opened a restaurant, and I went to be the pastry chef. And um, I went there for a couple of years, and then the Grand America opened, and then I worked there for a few months. And, uh, yeah, uh, it took me 13 years to understand the difference between Cuba and here, right? Because I had to learn not only the processes, I had to learn um, finances, and I had to learn, uh, you know, uh, networking and equipments and um and and the general taste of the public here before i thought i was ready to jump in and say hey i i can now bring my perspective on all of this to the people of utah so how did you get involved with food network I didn't get involved with them. They got involved with me. <laughs> hey, they got involved with me, too. I think that's generally how it happens. Actually. Yeah, they, you know, they, they have, like, scouts. Like, like they're like hounds online yes. looking for people and, you know, post online and Instagram. And, and they, they when they find something interesting, they say, hey, you know, would you like to come in and do this? And, and I said yes. And that was that. And then you killed it for years yeah nah. I, I, I i i think for me um you know i i got my first you know i sell an accolade in 2009 and then in 2012 i became national pastry chef of the year um and then then I did the Food Network and all the stuff. But but for me, this whole story, you know, America has a fascination with winning, right? And yes. <laughs> and uh, and my goal was never in my mind to win any of these things that I participated in. I just go to bake. Well, and that's why you want. That's why you win, though, because you just that's... have the personality behind it too, and the product. So. Being on the shows help your business, though. Oh my gosh! It, it's uh, I mean the first Food Network show 
um, what, well, you have to consider too, there were eight episodes. So that means that was eight weeks of TV. On the first week, people didn't even know who I was because it's like there's another brown person over there that has an accent. And then <laughs> by, by episode three, people were like, oh, this guy's from Salt Lake. And then, you know, I, I had that little shop in Kensington Avenue uh, that was like 900 square feet. And uh, by by the end of the season, we were so busy, we couldn't keep um, people in and we couldn't keep product. Like we were running out every single day. Um, our sales increased from 2000. So we opened in 2013. 2015, we, I did the Food Network. And by the year, two, by the end of 15 and the beginning of 2016, my business grew 150%. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, so that's how much you helped. I was one of those people who was watching the Food Network and noticed you and was like, hey, that guy's from Salt Lake. Exactly, right? So it's about that. And when I lost, uh, it it was great <laughs> because everybody wanted to tell me how I was robbed. <laughs> oh, man, I should have um, made more of an effort to get on the show so I could have right. lost. So I, 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 you know, when I lost, everybody just wanted to come and support the, you know, the awesome baker from so late that didn't make it because these people don't know what they're doing. It's <laughs> obvious. It's obvious that we, because we have such a big fascination with winning that when you lose, people get crazy. Wonder yeah, if it has nothing true. to do with what's happening now. Well, and and there's right, and there's so much more. Like I don't know how much you would be able to say just because it's probably a um, a TV show thing. But when I was auditioning, it was really hard for me to get past the idea of doing something in 45 minutes that I know takes one to two hours. <laughs> like That was so uh, mentally hard for me to process that I know I, it's TV I, magic. No, actually it's not. The, 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 out of all the magic, I mean, there's a bunch of bullshit editing, right? Um, and there is a bunch of things that are say that are uh, taken out of context, etc. But the time that they say is what it is. That is not a joke. And That's good to know. Yeah, I would so, be the one crying. I would have been the one crying on the show. It's probably that I made it to the finals. <laughs> yeah, but 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 you know the good thing about for me was that when I I mean the you know I don't know if you've noticed too when they they kept saying you know. One of the things they criticized me for is because I did too many things in the time that was given. Sure. Um, and the reason for that is because I practiced for actual, you know, chef competitions for for three years in a row um, before I opened my business. So I did a lot of that, and that helped me with organization, um, you know, with, with planning. A lot of people just go in there, and they don't know what they have to do, so – they they make these huge recipes, right? They have, and they only have to make like twelve little things, right? So they waste a lot of time on that. Um, others uh, get flustered by just the idea that is that it cannot be done in forty five minutes. When that would be, me. be it, which, very which pointed. Should, yeah, so <laughs> it should be it should be focusing on what can I do in forty five minutes and then do that, right? right. So um. Out of all the TV magic, the time is not one of them. You, so, but that's interesting, because, and this is just something, when they're auditioning, 
like mm-hmm. they gave me three categories. They're like home bakers, like amateurs and professionals. So mm-hmm. I find it interesting that they were um, not okay that you overachieved because you're a professional baker. <laughs> so you would have fit in that category. I, I know, but, but I, I always felt, at least in that season, that it was very unfair to compare apple to oranges, right? Yes, they they have these professional people and they have these home bakers. And then you're telling these home bakers that, you know, what the heck are you doing? Look at what these other chefs did. Right. It's like, what well, you just, it, that's not fair. These are people baking at home. They probably don't even have the equipments that we know how to run. Um, yeah, we don't have glass chillers or fancy yeah, ovens. <laughs> we, are, we are, you know, we work under pressure. We have productions, um, um, schedules and, and it's not fair, right? So, so in my mind, um, the, what what was happening is they were trying they were trying for me to do less so that the the place looked a little bit more equal, you know, more equalized. But at the same time, it's like, well, you brought that's me what you here. do, yeah. You brought me here, and I'm a chef. I you if you brought me here, I, and I was a home baker, then I'll bake like a home baker. But I'm a <laughs> chef, so I'm gonna bake like a chef. You As know? you should. So yeah. I. Fast forward to, it was 2019 that you did um, Bake You Rich. I want to know about that experience. And and it's not very often that people get the opportunity to sell a recipe to a company. Mm, yeah. And by the way, I only <laughs> sold that recipe. I only sold that recipe for a year. Really? Um, okay. Yeah, that's it. That's it. So, um that was good. I mean, out of all the shows that I've done, this was the one that I felt more real, mostly because the host was the the producer of the show, basically. Buddy is the one who did it. And he was pretty, you know, straightforward and honest. And, of course, there is always drama and everything else. But their team was amazing. They were very supportive. Um, you know, they were there, you know, jumping and trying to do stuff and making sure that, you know, the product turned out, you know, as good as it could. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was a great experience and I was, um, I was very, um, happy that it went the way it went by the way, all the way until the last minute, I thought I was going to lose, which it, it's a good place to be most of the time. At least I, if I feel that way, then I don't get disappointed. Right. Yes, but you had you definitely had the most marketable and easiest to sell item of any of the contestants on that show. So yeah, I wasn't surprised, but <laughs> it was so, it was still uh, it was still very inconvenient because they you know they don't make anything savory in that kitchen, so they had to right. change everything around to produce these meat pies. Good thing about it now is that I have people from all over the country asking me to get those meat pies to them because the body balastro is not selling them anymore. So now <laughs> that that's, my, good. that's my new challenge. And it wasn't an exclusive thing because you guys were able to still produce the Cuban meat oh, pies. Oh, yeah. That, that, I, had, I had to put that on the contract. Sorry, it's my pie, not yours. <laughs> good, good. Your pie, was in, your pie was in a competition for best Cuban uh, in the, uh, the annals of, of my, my office. Pool. Uh-huh. <laughs> Did it win? I'm. I was trying to trying to look up who won because I don't remember who won because we well, had. Well, to... it's okay. I mean, I'm, I don't <laughs> claim. I don't claim my meat pie to be a Cuban sandwich. We call it a Cuban sandwich meat pie, right? Yeah, it's, so, it's um, but the moment will come when the Cuban sandwich from feelings and emotions will appear. 
Hey, and if then, it's anything as good as those palitos, yeah, I'm sold. I know those palitos are like uh, like heaven. I bought like yeah. ten of them one day <laughs> from your promo location. <laughs> Thanks, so good, so good. You can go wrong with you know fresh with a crunch- butter and prosciutto, and butter and prosciutto. <laughs> like what? That what? What? Yeah, it's pretty much perfection. That's yeah. for sure. So, so you moved locate like when all of this was happening you moved to your location on main street how long have you been at that location so we moved in 2016 um you know two years after i opened kensington no three years actually so that would be 2016 um the the lease came up and the lady that owned the building I uh, didn't want to do some changes that that would be the only way I will stay because I needed more space. I needed this and that and that. And she didn't want to spend any money. And I said, like, I'm not going to put money on your best building. It's not my building. It's your building. So the Condis family um, that owned that building that Main Street is located at were very uh, insisting that I moved in. And they were very generous. And they they did a lot to make sure that we could have that place in there. So I'm very grateful for them. And when you were getting ready to move into that spot, had you already had your plan to open your other locations or did that come no, um, after? No, 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 that was uh, no, no, <laughs> <laughs> no, the, 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 the new location in West Valley, uh, actually before the location in West Valley was Provo, right? Mm-hmm. Um so that one was uh, a crazy idea from uh, a, a family member of a partner that thought that that probably would be a good place to have a place. And this location came up. It's in Center Street. It's a great location. It's a good location, yeah. Um, so, you know, Provo is hard. Um, yeah. It's a hard place to crack. Um, we have to convince people that what we do is worth what is worth, right? Um, what he's saying so, for anyone that's having problems translating, Mormons people are in, cheap. People in Utah County are cheap. <laughs> cheap. I just said that. I didn't. So, <laughs> I'm just translating. Um, we got you. <laughs> no, what I, what I'm trying to say is like you know it's it's an it's a it's a very and and by the way that happened in Salt Lake too, right? We had to educate people that macarons were not macarons, right? And that they were worth two dollars <laughs> and fifty cents a piece. Cookies, right? and, yeah. And and that happened in Salt Lake. It's just I just have more time to get to where I was. And um, in Provo, we're doing the same kind of, um, you know, time and education to make sure that people understand that, that, you know, if a croissant is, it's, it's five ounces and it costs you $3, it's because, you know, we have a, a very well-qualified pastry chef doing those laminations that we paid them a, a very decent salary to make sure that the quality and the product turns out the same every single time and you're not going to get the same amazing product out of really any other place you're not yeah. going to get no, it out you of can, i mean you can go get, get a croissant you can go get a croissant at, at uh you know at costco awesome. like you can get a dozen for costco but, <laughs> yeah, but it's it not won't be, be anywhere near the it quality. won't be not at all and it won't be as fresh as ours and it won't be as crispy as ours and it was it won't it's not going to be made 100 percent, 83 percent butter like ours Right. So <laughs> those are the 
those are the kind of things that uh that that take time for people to see right uh, it's once they the try value. It, they it. Yeah. yeah once yeah. they try it they get it it just takes time for that and then covid didn't help um, most of the business in provo uh came from uh people on the weekends coming in and hanging out so we were like a place to date right it was dating place people come right. and have a dessert and sit down with the girlfriends and you know the future wife that they just barely met and mm-hmm. then they um they they come and have their ice cream and they're you know it's exciting and it's pretty and it's beautiful and it tastes good and then with covid coming we lost all of that revenue um um and then it's kind of hard to convince when people have very little revenue and they don't know if their income is stable enough to spend the money on, you know, four or five dollars on a Queen Amman or a or a brioche. Um, uh, but we are very, very, very grateful that still throughout this pandemic, um, the people of Utah still thought that we were essential because we're still here. And you, you have West Valley and then also you're opening at the airport, right? Yeah, that's the plan. We're still working on that, uh, you know. Uh, it's a uh, airport is a complicated. Uh, I'm gonna say like it's like it's complicated oh, order, sure. <laughs> a complicated order. So we are uh, working on that um, as we speak. It is the is the plan if you are you know if you win a bid for the airport or whatever to actually do the baking there or to do the baking no 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 we that's the, well that 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 goes to the point of what we what West Valley exists. West Valley was built to produce everything for the airport. You oh. see, West Valley is a very tiny shop, but the back is huge. We have over, you know, almost 10,000 square foot of production facility on the back. Wow, that's enormous. Yeah, it's huge. And that's what we're teaching the classes now um, every other weekend because we have enough space to have people very well apart during the classes. Which, by um, the way, sell out in in moments i have it's, yet to find one that is that, not sold out <laughs> that crazy i i post one class and like i i say less than two hours the whole class is sold out no it's um, not crazy because you're offering a quality class and quality product it's yeah. not crazy and people want to know what we do and how we do it and and the good thing about this is, is so it's like going to the willy wonka factory right so <laughs> you, get see, you get to see how how we do the things we do and we really don't have any secrets i mean our stuff is and that is the that is the biggest thing that you know i want to convey when i teach my classes like i can give you my recipes because you it will take you years to get to the level that we are because we have a bunch of very skilled chefs working in the kitchen that has taken time to to hone those expert you know you know techniques so you can come and learn. That doesn't mean you're going to be able to open a business tomorrow and compete with me. <laughs> so I just want to talk about some of your, your classes, even though they are sold out, because eventually you will release some more. Yeah, so you, will. Do, you do a French Macron class. Yep. You do a bread boot camp. Yep. And you do a, a, a cake sponges. Yep. And you do a dough lamination. Which one sells out the quickest? Macarons always. Macaron we also do a Cuban. Best. We also do a Cuban Cuban night. Havana nights. And Havana nights. Cute. So that one. 
That one's fun. It was a lot of fun. The macaroni and brunch. You do a brunch. Oh, that one's open. Yeah. I can sign up for that we have one. A, we have a brunch coming. Yes, I thought that that was a and it's for Easter, by the way. It's that, Easter yeah, that's, brunch. So the only the so only if you're listening is in away. yes, it's <laughs> April fourth. <laughs> yeah. But you but you're always doing these classes. What at what point did you decide? that you were ready to take on that because it is a task to teach a lot of people to bake, especially the things that you're teaching. What point were you ready to do that? Well, you, you know, the funny thing about it, one of the, the, before I had my business, the first thing I did was teaching classes. Um, I started teaching classes in 2002 at the Roth concept center in, in Foothill village, um, for the, for the wolf, uh, gourmet line of kitchens um i did that for many years and and then i went to teach as a you know pace i'm sorry like a culinary professor at utah valley university and i taught at the university for 2008 to 2011 2012 actually um so i've been teaching for a while it was already in your soul. You already, you already had it. Yeah, um, and then well, my 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 mom was a teacher. My grandma was a teacher. So, so you come by it naturally. So it was it was it was part of who I am. I I I'm kind of I I've always liked to one of the things I am I I always call myself a nerd. I I love gathering knowledge. But for me, it means absolutely nothing if I cannot share it. Sometimes yes. brag about it, but <laughs> as you should. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but but yeah, I I like I like sharing my knowledge. So because you know, what am I going to do with it? That yes, yeah, makes me money. You know. <laughs> well, I think something else that you should brag about is the relationships that you have built with people in our community, like Trina at Buzzed, um, like Romina at Lay Madeline with doing your annual charity event. Um, mm-hmm. The families belong together. How do yeah. you, like, are these people approaching you and saying, hey, let's work together? Or have you had people in mind that you have wanted to build these relationships with? Um, you know, one of the things that, that come from me, uh, my upbringings, uh, which was very different from me to getting here. Like in here, you don't know your neighbors. Like, like you really don't talk to them. You don't see them very often. Sometimes, you know, they come and say hi when you move into the neighborhood just to make sure they know who you are so they can look at your face and then call the police on you if they needed to. But, um, <laughs> uh, but, but, but you don't actually like have a relationship with your neighbors. Right. Um, it's very different where I come from. Where I come from, you need every single person around you. They need you. You need them. It's a, like like a symbiotic relationship. Sometimes they have salt, and then you have sugar. And the other day you have milk, and then they have a piece of fabric that you need to fix your shirt with. It's it's very important to have relationships in a place where I come from to be able to survive. In my mind, that has always been my motto here when it comes to my business. I'm, I'm not my business, but just me as a professional. Um, I've always kept my bridges open. Um, I, I, just, I, you know, I sell my macarons to Harmons. I work for Harmons. 
I oh, mean, my, my first time a, that I ever had your macarons was up at Bear Lake, actually. I did not know that that's where Harmon's macarons came from. No, yeah. we actually have to buy them because we always look at them and we're worried. All of the Harmons. And, you know, we, uh, you know, I, I, I had a relationship. I work for Granados and now we make the biscottis and a bunch of other products for them. And, uh, and the same with, with all all the business partners that I have. Um, for me, it's important. Uh, I'm not worried about competition. Competition only makes me stronger. It, it gives me the ideas to become better, to, to improve, to, to change, to, to update, to, to give customers something relevant and new. Um, so I'm not ever afraid to, to have a relationship with a competitor. It doesn't affect me. It actually doesn't. Uh, there's, there's, Plenty of pie for everybody. Have you been to uh, Sagato's Bakery? Uh huh. Yeah. Over in uh, Midvale. Yeah, New the Zealand one with Bakery. Big flour. The, the, yeah, the the one with what flour? With the big flour. The lady with the flour. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I think they're your only competition in town. Real competition for any kind of meat pie. Different they pie. don't have palitos, no. and they don't, have puff, and they don't have puff pastry. It's a very that's different true. kind of meat pie, too. Yeah, yes. and that's what I'm saying. I mean, it's a it's a different experience. It's a good meat pie, but our meat pie is made with puff pastry. That's what makes our meat pie special. Um, and I dare anybody to try to make our puff pastry. Your your menu seems pretty consistent. Baking trends are like constantly changing. How? Mm-hmm. Like, how do you decide if you're going to add something to your menu, or do you usually just stick if with you hold, like, what if you, you know? Hold on, uh, if you hold on a couple of weeks, you're going to see the new changes. Yes. <laughs> well, of course I will. Because <laughs> that's what I do. No, I'll be what, there. <laughs> that's what we do. And by the way, that's another reason, uh, one of the biggest reasons I do. I've always felt that the places that I worked for got old. Like, I wasn't learning anything new, and it was time for me to go to the next place, right? Well, I keep my my team excited by changing on them all the time. They won't get bored. They won't be doing the same thing over and over again like machines. Six months later, they have they're making completely something different. But you can tell that when you eat and when you look at your food, though, that their passion is in it. Yeah, because it's exciting. It's so exciting you- to make food to make food that's new. And by the way, if you you can see our consistency, right? I would recommend you to go back into our timeline on Instagram and see actually how we've changed. You'll notice it. It's very subtle and it's always an improvement, but it's there. But have your roles always been the best in Utah? I well, <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> so I, I'm I'm curious, you know, when you come up with with new things, uh, you know, I'm sure you're part of that process, and and some of it's probably straight out of your brain. But does any of that ever come out of you know your your different chefs that you have working for you? Um, oh yeah, you know, down, down to, you know lower level bakers and stuff that you guys have working with. Everybody, How much of everybody everybody opinion counts because they're the ones making them, right? So, so I, I come up with an idea. A lot of times I just come up with one idea and I say like, these are the flavors I want. This is what I want to make it look like. And then they make it for me. And then I say, no, let's change this and that. And let's put this and that. I mean, I have a repertoire of recipes that they can just go look for them. Right. So I tell them, take this recipe of mousse and flavor it this way. 
I'll take this punch cake and soak it in this syrup. Or, you know, change this glaze and put this flavor and that flavor and put this color on it and then, then present it to me. Right. But they have the ability to create, too. They have they have come up with different desserts that they came out with and um, and ideas of how to shape things. And um, but, yeah, they're everybody's always involved. It's not That's just awesome. it's not just me. Even down um, to making the best cafe con leche in Salt Lake. Even, yes. I can't ever remember That's- his name, but he's amazing. Oh my gosh, the cafe con leche is so good. <laughs> no, that cafe con leche. And by the way, you know, it's locally, you know, local roasted coffee, but very, very small uh, Twin Butte coffee. Actually, my neighbors make, they, I just give them a call. They're like a block and a half away. And then an hour and a half, they give me fresh roasted coffee. That sounds like a win-win situation. No, it's so freaking good. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like the bean hole because they do all their their little bitty outfit that does fresh roasted coffees. Yeah, it's yeah. so good. It's all like, that's awesome. But yeah, we have a. I mean, yeah, everybody's involved in the production, and and we're always innovating and we're trying to come up with stuff. But there, yeah, there's going to be changes. This there's new lines coming. There's new places to sell a product coming. Nice, nice. I really had no idea that it was your. I, I, I was questioning whether or not Harmons was actually making their own macarons because I yeah. hadn't ever seen them doing it, and you see them making a lot of their other stuff. And you don't want to eat a nasty one, and so we've never tried them, but now we can safely. Yeah, it's our it's our macarons. You can buy them in all of the Harmons, and they are very good. Yeah, so you can imagine how many macarons we make. Oh, yeah. I think I need to go downtown though because Eva uh, Eva's bakery on Main Street she makes fantastic macarons as well. So Good. now now I need to try yours in there side by side. Go for it. Because I've you... had them both, but I've never had them like at the same time to like compare. <laughs> have you guys been part of the Utah taste off? Yes, yes, we have. They actually were bugging me a few seconds ago. Oh. <laughs> They're good people to be bugged by. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we are part. We could do we've a macaron. We've done a couple of them. Yeah, we did the macarons and we just did rolls a little bit yeah, ago. I oh, I know you just did rolls. I felt really biased going into that one. Yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of, yeah, it's good though. But yeah, it's uh, yeah, we would. I think that we're coming. Uh, cheesecake is coming next. Ooh, fancy. So, hey, I just, I know I kind of briefly touched on it. The annual charity event that you do, um, because like you even did it this last year with COVID, which was, which was awesome. Um, Do you have plans to do it again this year? Cross your fingers. We don't have to. True. Oh, good point. Because like next week is, is better things. Yeah. So hopefully those, those kids can get back to their families. Which, by the way, they are still not with their families. So the first year you guys raised what, like, like thirty five thousand dollars? We no, the first year was thirty. The second year was forty, forty, forty eight. The last year was twenty with COVID. I mean, yeah, right. COVID, COVID, you, COVID sucks. But twenty thousand in one this, day, right? I'm yeah. Sorry, what? Oh, I just said you've personally delivered this. Uh huh. These funds down to Texas to these these McAllen. resource centers, yeah. McAllen, yeah. So it's kind of a, it's kind of a, you know. I, I really hope that we don't have to do it again. And if we do, then we will, regardless of who's the president. I don't care. 
Right. <laughs> well, I hope you don't have to either, but experience it. Excuse me. Um, last year, not last year, the year before, the non-COVID year, <laughs> mm-hmm. experiencing seeing like other local bakeries come together with you and seeing the community like totally back you up and stand around the block for, you know, for hours to pick up these things was just really something amazing that that you've done. And, and I just wanted to say thank you. Well, you know, thank you. But um, did, let me give a couple of things here. It's like it, it was a big group of people working on this. I might be the instigator, you know, so I'm, I can be guilty of it. But I I am not 100% responsible. I had volunteers. My team sacrificed and gave their hours for free to do this work. And I had, you know, other companies that helped with food. And so it wasn't just me. No, um, but but you gave them something to believe in. And, and I think that that's, that's important to recognize. And well, let's not forget what I received in, in exchange. Because there was a moment, and there's still sometimes a doubt in my head that that I belong here. And these events just, you know, allow me to feel that, yes, I do. What do you think you do? Yeah, for sure. So that's that's what these things do for me. You know what I mean? It it's actually fits my belief that I... I'm part of this place that that people want me here and people like me in here. So, um, so that that uh, that's that's you know I benefit from that. So, Chef, we have one other question for you. Um, for it. we we ask everyone that's on our show this question: What is the most interesting or unique thing that you've discovered about Utah in your time here? Hmm. <laughs> My gosh, I'm trying. What would be the most unique thing that I discover about Utah? Um, bless your heart doesn't mean that. <laughs> <laughs> that just made that might be the best answer to that question I've ever that heard, we've ever Chef. had. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> that is fantastic. That is absolutely awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, it's uh, and it's funny because it actually kind of simplifies the culture to that phrase. Yeah. Um, it, there's a lot of politeness that is meaningless, mm-hmm. and uh, and it's uh, kind of kind of a sad trade, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, but yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's it's. I, I, once you understand it, once you once you live in it. Then you know what to expect. Doesn't surprise you anymore, and uh, and uh, but yeah, at the beginning was like, oh nice. It's like no, they're not being nice. <laughs> <laughs> they're not being nice. <laughs> the other one, the other, <laughs> the other one will be also um, uh, calling something interesting <laughs> it's absolutely not mean? interesting at all <laughs> right it means disgusting this is disgusting <laughs> and i don't want to and i don't want to eat it. it it's just funny because it's for me it's like don't don't tell me it's interesting just tell me you don't like it you know it's fine it's fine just say it um but yeah it's uh, those those kind of uh 
uh, sarcasm wasn't something I was very familiar with. Because in, in our countries, we just, you know, if a fat person comes by, we call them fat. A black person comes by, we call them black. We just, we don't have any biases. We don't have, I mean, we do have biases. Everybody does. But in the sense that when we have to say something, we say without having to, there's no secondary meaning. Mm-hmm. So it's very easy to communicate with people um, knowing that you say, you know, what you say is what you mean. Um it's really hard to it took me a little bit to understand sarcasm and and now mm, i i'm a master <laughs> <laughs> yes well, so. chef where can people come buy all your delicious pastries well you can come to our shops in provo center street and 326 um west and then you can go to main street on 1475 south you can go to west valley on 1980 west and 3500 south you can buy our macarons or harmons we produce desserts for uh, the sapa group restaurants you know fat fish bucket of crawfish uh sapa purgatory we um so make the cookies for fish drinks um Oh, I didn't realize that. You make all of Fizz's cookies, too. That's interesting. Yeah. We do a lot of things. Yes, you do. That's, that's really cool. That Just another do. reason not to go to Crumble. <laughs> Just another reason not to go to Crumble. Exactly. You know, and uh, but but most importantly, um, you know. Just share your love. There's a bunch of very good bakeries in town that deserve um, uh, our attention and, and our support. Um, you know, like I said, there's there's enough pie for everybody. Um, and and they all work really, really hard. So, Well, thank you so much for joining us uh, this evening. I'll let you go to bed since you're up at 2 a.m. I'm already in bed. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> that's the best way to podcast. Well, that's going to do it for the night for the show. Episode 242 is in the books. Thankfully, we got to talk. Books. We finally got to talk to Chef Diaz from Fillings and Emulsions. He's so lovely. What a fucking crazy, awesome, amazing life story, and what an amazing person. He's a legend. That's uh, I, I had no idea the the stuff that he's. Been he kind of makes you want to go out and do better, doesn't he? Yeah, and just you know think like about just better, not like go bake something, but just like just be a better person. Yeah, it makes me want to eat baked stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really fucking hungry after doing this show. Oh my tonight. gosh, you have to, the next time you go down there, you have to try the politos. It's just this teeny tiny baguette with salted butter and fresh prosciutto yeah, on it. It is it looks good. Amazing. Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I, yeah. Mm. Speaking of baguettes and stuff, we used your little thing that you gave us for the Christmas. The Rocklet Grill thing. It was really, really it good. Yeah. It did work. I learned that that cheese, you can't melt the rind. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so I put it in there and then I had to pick out the rind oh. pieces when I melted it. I didn't it. realize you did that when you brought it up to me, so I didn't get any rind. Yeah, it's because I picked it out. Thanks, sweetheart. Also, you got one of the early ones that didn't have ri- as much rind in the slicing. <laughs> but like I threw like the last piece that was like all rind in there. It did not melt the rind. <laughs> that wax just doesn't do it. Yeah, that's okay though. It was really, it was really good. I made some uh, potatoes in the air fryer and uh, did some, some cheese on the baguettes and some cheese on the potatoes it was really good. Um, anyway, 
Uh, please shop local. We just gave you a fuck ton of bakeries that you can go ruin your New Year's resolutions at. Um, and let's be honest, you, it's fucking COVID. Don't don't make a resolution about eating healthy. Just exercise. Just eat local. Run. Yeah, eat local. That's the thing. Like all these businesses, uh, you know, even even Chef Diaz said, you know, support local bakeries. He's there's enough room for everyone. Um, and, and, you know, he likes to compete with the, the locals and, uh, but they, they, they band together. They're, they they do not hate each other or anything like that. So, um, thanks so much for listening. Please hit that share button. Follow us on social medias, uh, at TNU podcast and check out our website, the new Utah.com. Um, and, uh, yeah, don't go fucking storming Capitol buildings. You morons bless your heart. 